Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 270 of the podcast. It's the 23rd of March, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, Anna Brown and I talk about our theme in the Living Joyfully Network this month, supporting our partners. We chose the word partners to represent any important adults in our family's lives who have active relationships with our children. So spouses, co-parents, significant others, grandparents, and so on. Our partners are an important part of our unschooling lives, and taking the time to focus on and nurture those relationships benefits the whole family. It was fun to see that so many of the tools and ideas we talk about are the same ones we have used to strengthen our relationships with our children. We can connect with our partner through their interests, intentionally seeing who they are as a person outside of their family role. We talk about developing trust in them and nurturing their trust in us, which in turn helps them build strong relationships with the kids and feel like a valuable part of the family. The riffles that emerge from supporting our partners brings even more joy to our family's days. In the Living Joyfully Network, our shared goals are to embrace lifelong learning, develop strong and connected relationships with our children, and cultivate a thriving unschooling lifestyle in our families. We are a safe, inclusive community where parents come together to engage in candid conversations about living and learning through the lens of unschooling. In the network, we don't tell you how you, quote, should unschool. We share experience, not advice. Our collaborative approach grows out of our belief that there is no one right answer that applies to all families, especially when it comes to learning and parenting. No two families are exactly alike, and even each child is unique. We share our diverse experiences and insights as more information to help you explore and discover what works for you and your family. If you're curious to learn more about the network, check out the link in the show notes or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash network. As a personal update, thanks for the wonderful feedback on last week's episode. I'm looking forward to creating more episodes in this style. And with spring officially here, we're enjoying a warm spell. I spent about an hour hanging outside yesterday playing fetch with Nero, and it was so lovely. Then last night, I was back to reading my gardening book. I'm a complete novice when it comes to gardening, permaculture, food forests, and so on, but I am so very curious to learn more. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons and those increasing their pledge, J.S. On Liberté, Cassie Emmott, and Fiona Monday. Hi, J.S. Hi, Cassie. Hi, Fiona. Thank you so much. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on patreon.com. 
That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Anna. Welcome. I'm Pamela Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca. And today I'm here with Anna Brown. Hi, Anna. Hey, Pam. <laughs> so this month in the Living Joyfully Network, our theme has been supporting our partners. And we chose partners to represent any important adults in our families' lives who have active relationships with our kids. So maybe spouse, co-parent, step-parent, significant other, even grandparent. Um, often one person kind of takes the lead on bringing unschooling into their family, but it's so important to intentionally include our partner as well, (laughs) because unschooling isn't just for the kids, as you soon find out as you get started. So let's dive into this, Anna. The first topic I wanted to talk about is supporting our partner um, and by strengthening our connection with them. Right. So that is really a great place just just to start is just growing our connection a bit more. And through that, we want them to feel truly seen and heard by us. So what I thought we could do is dive into some of the tools for doing that. And the first one I thought would be really is really useful. That's communication skills. Okay, so we're talking about listening, validating, not reacting defensively, because listening well is really about hearing what they're saying, rather than hearing a sentence or two, pulling into your head to figure out what how you want to respond to that, and then kind of getting back to the conversation to wait for an opening so that you can share what you came up with. (laughs) What you want to do is really let them finish their thoughts. And then you're going to think about how you'd like to respond. It doesn't need to be like, there's no time pressure. There doesn't need to be time pressure. It's better when there's not time pressure because you want to really take in all that they're saying and then use that to feed your response. And the other piece of that is not reacting defensively, right? Because we can choose to validate their feelings and their thoughts because what they're sharing is true for them. And we don't need to jump to defending ourselves because when we take the time through these conversations to actually get to the root of the issue, and chances are you're not even going to get to it in one conversation, right? You're going to have a conversation, think back, you're going to keep coming back to it. But so often it really isn't about us, is it? right? It's, it's, it's something else. There's something down there and that's what you want to get to. That's why you want to let them finish their thoughts. That's why you want to take that all in, validate where they are now, because that's where they are, you know, full stop right there. So when you can hear that and join them there and understand that, that is such a, a better foundation for actually building connection with them, right? Right. Well, and I think if we think about it in terms of these are the very same skills we're talking about, you know, week in, week out with our children, it makes it easier. We're not learning a new set of skills. Yes. <laughs> same thing. So that listening and validation, you know, everybody wants to feel seen and heard, period. Yep. <laughs> I think it's especially important for partners that maybe aren't a part of the day to day, like if, for example, they work outside of the home. 
Um, and so taking extra care to see them and hear them, like you were just talking about, understanding their concerns, you know, that just goes so far in us helping them stay connected to the family. And so, you know, 100%, a huge part of that is not being defensive. So that's the work we can do. We can figure out, for me, it's mantras, like letting that wash over me. So if there's some intense energy coming at me from someone, I'm just going to let that energy wash over me so that I can hear what they're saying. Because if I'm kind of assaulted by that energy, or if I feel like I'm being attacked, then it's it's just our human nature. We're going to just start thinking in our head, like you're saying, what are we going to say back? And I'm going to defend this and they're attacking me. But what I know, and especially when it's coming from our partners, is, is it's coming from a place of love. So it's like, just let that intense energy wash over me. And okay, what can I hear here? What's below this surface complaint? And again, that's exactly what we talk about with the kids. You know, don't just stay here on the surface, you know, go underneath of that. And one of the things I wanted to just touch on too, related to this is um, not falling into roles. So again, we talk about this with our children to not kind of cast our children in roles. You'll hear that, oh, the smart one or the athletic one or the whatever, and it can, it kind of puts them in a box. But I think we can do that with ourselves and partners too, as we start this journey of parenting and all of this. And when we cast somebody in a role, we lose sight of who they are. And so that is so distancing. And so I think it's just so easy to fall in that, especially in the early years. I guess I'm thinking a lot of babies and toddlers and starting out and, and when kids are a lot younger, because it's very hands-on, you know, you're kind of surviving the day and getting and making sure everybody's fed and clothed and whatever. And so those roles can seem like shortcuts, you know, like I'm the mom, this is, you know, the other spouse or the parent or the grandparent or the person that's in the person's life. But, but who are they, you know, and if we can take time to slow down, keep those lines of communication open, truly see each other, it helps us enjoy those moments along the way, it helps us stay connected, it helps everybody stay invested and engaged, and feeling included. And I think, um, well, another thing I want to talk about, too, is just this piece about how we like to show interest in what they love. And so when we can do, because this is the way that helps me stay connected. So I guess that's why I'm thinking of it in terms of this question, because when we can show an interest in what to love, just like with our kids. So again, it's the same exact tools. It, it just really helps the person feel seen. And so we, just like with the kids, we don't have to love the actual thing. <laughs> you know, it's not that we have to be jumping and engaged in the actual thing, but we can love their excitement. We can love their enthusiasm. We can be supportive. You know, I like to figure out ways to be supportive of that interest. And again, that helps somebody feel seen and heard and loved. So those are a few things that came to mind. I have another one, but I'll jump back to you. <laughs> yeah, I just want to bring it back to, okay, two things. Bring it back to, these are ways to help them feel seen and heard, right? How do you connect with someone? Someone feels connected to you when they feel seen and heard for who they are. So that's how the roles can get in the way. Um, because we that's us seeing more on the surface versus seeing them as a person. Seeing and recognizing and celebrating the things that they're interested in. Again, that's a way they can feel seen and heard. Look. They see that I'm really interested in that and they're not judging me about it, 
right? They just see that that's part of me. That's part of who I am. Again, feeling seen and heard. And then that other piece, I love that you kept emphasizing that just like we do with our kids, right? Because that can be like a little shift that can help us. Because at first we're like, oh, you know, we have to do this for another person, right? They're, they're an adult, you know, they should not need this, but this connection is so valid. This is a relationship that we cherish, that we want to cultivate, that we want. I mean, we benefit so much from feeling connected to our partner as well, right? So the emphasis that these are not new skills, it's just bringing one more person into the fold, right? Into the family that, you know, we didn't kind of leave them behind there. It's like, oh, no, no, come on, come on. We can all do this as a family. This is the way we want to be connected as a family. So I thought those were two really important things. I know you have one more thing. Yeah, you want. So the one more thing is just, and, and I won't go into this in super detail, but, but I have really found it helpful for me is understanding love languages. So we'll put a link in the show notes about a quiz about it and a little bit more about it. Cause there's a book called the five love languages, but understanding our partner's love language can really help us be efficient and affected at showing them love. And, and that's what we want to do. We want them to feel loved. And so understanding how they receive love is so important. And I think it's interesting because often we show love in the way we want to receive it, but that might not be the way that they receive love. And so again, it's just that it's just that deeper level of understanding. Again, just like we talk about with our kids, it's helpful to know how someone processes information. How do they, you know, see the world? How do they are they introverted, extroverted? All these things are not silos that, but, but they're all pieces, pieces of the puzzle to help us find ways to connect. And so I think it's just, it's just a really helpful tool to think about, okay, how can I show this person love in a way that they will feel it and know that they are important to me. And so I I just wanted to mention it in passing and we can, people can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the idea that how we can more efficiently show our love because, you know, we can be doing all these things And, you know, this time and effort and thought, but we're thinking in our language, right? And when the purpose is that we're wanting to show love to someone else, we want to speak their language so that they feel it. They're not just like, oh, yeah, oh, thanks, you know, and then that's the end of it. (laughs) Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was ways that we can approach challenging moments or conversations in ways that keep our connection at the forefront, right? So for me, it really helped to consider the context of the challenging situation or conversation that came up with my partner. So sometimes it was something as seemingly simple as halt. So, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, Um, because they can be at play, too. We consider that for our kids. But no matter our age, we can be hungry, we can be tired, you know, all those pieces are part of being human, right? So understanding other things that can be at play when our partner's feeling frustrated. It can also be really helpful to consider what else is going on in their life, their life at this moment, right? Because one thing that we've noticed is that when things are feeling out of control in one area, and you know, just think back for yourself, right? When things are feeling out of control in one aspect of your life, 
the tendency really is to kind of clamp down and get control in another area. So it doesn't all feel like chaos. It's like, okay, I, I can't figure this out here, but I can figure this out and I can figure this out. So there can definitely be that aspect that's play at play as well. So understanding the bigger context of their life at this moment can really help us understand what might be underneath the needs that might be underneath. And, you know, we don't have to stay on that surface. If we get underneath and see that bigger picture, that helps us like um, move through our initial feelings of resistance, right? Our, maybe our need to react versus respond, to feel defensive. That can help us really choose again to connect and listen and help them process through those underlying needs. And you may not even need to address the little A, B, and C niggling things in the end, right? When you solve the root issue. So I think that that was a really big uh, shift for me when I wanted to move through those challenging moments was really just looking at the context of things because the bigger picture is involved, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think if we can, um, I, one of the things we talked about in the network this month related to this was what are some of the weights or you know things that might be weighing on your partner that maybe you're not aware of or you haven't given attention to? And boy, was it interesting to see all of us kind of dig into that and think about, yeah, some of these things I take for granted, or I know that they're dealing with this, but maybe I haven't been giving it attention or I've brushed it aside or I've whatever. And so just taking that moment to be kind of intentionally look and say, yeah, I can see there's some things weighing that helps somebody see, feel seen and heard because they're, they may be carrying a weight that, you know, again, we haven't acknowledged. And so I thought that was just a really beautiful thread that we had. And just, I think it's something we can all do is take that moment. And related to Hall, I wanted to focus just specifically, I feel like it's definitely important when to check in on lonely when it comes to our partners. Um, because I think we can get really excited about this unschooling path and these new deeper relationships that we're having with the children. And, and it just, you know, if we aren't keeping an eye on our partner, they might be feeling left out, especially if they're working outside the home. You know, here we are spending our days finding fun and following our passions and, you know, doing all these amazing things and we're finding joy. And, and what I didn't want was for him, for my husband to not feel like he was included in that. So when he was working outside the home, you know, I wanted to make sure that he was a part of it in any way that I could, you know, and so that could be updates throughout the day. It could be being very intentional about us reconnecting with him when he comes home, because sometimes, you know, the days are spinning and we've been busy and doing, and he comes home and it's not even an event, you know, but it's like, and it doesn't need to be a giant event every day, but just that again, intentionality of connecting and bringing into the fold, like you said. And so I thought that was really important and facilitating fun for all of us, you know, when we can all be together or even, you know, if we're doing kind of one-on-one and facilitating fun in that way. And, and David's a fun guy. So he made that part pretty easy, but I know there were times in the early years where he did feel left out and that just doesn't ever feel good. So as we're getting excited about this lifestyle, as we're developing these deep relationships, again, make sure this very important person or very important people in our lives are included in that journey. And, and that I just wanted to kind of check in because I think that's a weight that they can carry. It's like, you know, I, I can maybe be over here supporting pieces of it, but I'm not a part of it. And no, we want everybody to be a part of it, you know, and, and keeping our connection strong 
it just serves us so well whenever any kind of challenges arise, either from the outside or from a misunderstanding or a kind of conflict within the family. And going through a challenge connected versus disconnected, I mean, there's just no comparison. <laughs> so <laughs> it's worth doing this work, which again, I think you'll see is just an extension of the work you're already doing to create this, this climate in your home. Yeah. I wanted to just pop back to that loneliness when for um, a partner who's working outside the home, because not only can they feel kind of left out of the family because they're, they're not at home for the day, they're not seeing so much of what's going on. They can also be feeling a little lonely at work too, because their life is different, right? So co-workers may be talking about, you know, the typical kind of conversations, complaining about their kids and, and you know, just all those little normal issues that our partners probably don't have, right? <laughs> so, or they may feel bad, like piling into that conversation. So not only do they feel disconnected from home, they may well be feeling a little lonely and disconnected um, socially from the people at work as well. So they can kind of be stuck in this, this kind of. Yeah, that was definitely the case for David. And it is kind of that yeah. like misery loves company, but he's like, we're not miserable. We're not having bedtime fights. We're not having, you know, this kind of school, Oh, they're not doing their homework. And so he's like, I don't want to be a part of that, you know, that conversation. And, you know, you feel bad, like, well, we're not having that, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, so, right. I think it did just really, it was a little bit of a disconnect with his colleagues even. And so that is important to understand, but as, you know, as long as we were all connected, I mean, he felt great about it, you know, but I think if, when he felt disconnected from that, it is this kind of, you know, whoop, where am I? I'm stuck between these two worlds, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as you were saying, like the being intentional um, through all the things that we've talked about so far, can, we can actually, you know, fill their cup, help them feel void, help them walk into those conversations where they realize, you know what, I'm choosing not to share, but they don't feel that disconnect as much because they're connected over here. Like you said, that connection is just night and day, right? All right. So as our connection with our partner strengthens, I think the next step is trust, really, because now that we've got connection, the deeper version, the deeper level is trust. And so I wanted to look at extending trust to our partner. And one of the examples that comes up to me right away is trust around their relationship with the kids. And for me, <laughs> I remember the, that revelatory moment when I could, I realized that I was holding an expectation as to what my partner's relationship with the kids would look like, right? Because I loved it. I wanted him to have that same wonderful relationship. So I kept trying to, you know, encourage or correct or tell him what to do to get that same kind of, this is what I do. This is what I do, right? But the, <laughs> the aha moment when I'm like, oh, he can have his own relationship with the kids. It doesn't need to look like me. He is not me. Like that was a big piece. Remembering that he loves the kids as much as I do. Our partners love their kids, right? They care about their kids, but it's okay if it looks different. 
right? So when things are off in that department, it is really helpful to assume positive intent and not feel defensive, right? Um, they're just asking questions. They're just trying to meet their underlying needs like we've been talking about. Maybe it's to know that their kids are safe or to know that they'll have the skills they need or, you know, to get through this moment with them. Trust doesn't mean pulling back. Like, okay, they're going to have their own relationship. I'm just going to go over here now. (laughs) But we can meet them. We can meet our partner and the kids again, where they are, right? And validate those underlying needs so that they feel seen and heard. Because if they don't feel heard, of course, they're going to keep pushing harder, right? Or they're going to keep talking louder. It's human nature. We see it with our kids because it's human nature, right? So it is just so valuable to be there with them, to be a witness so that you can have conversations later, you know, witnessing in the moment, so being supportive in the moment. Um, and this is where this is where we talk about the dance of relationships, right? Where can I step in and help where it doesn't feel like a judgment to someone else? Where can I maybe distract and help out, help out parallel over here? You know, so it is, again, about the context, about the people that are involved, where they are in the moment. That is part of of the fun, of the puzzle of the day, right? Puzzle of relationships. (laughs) I think trust has so many facets here because, and we chose these partners in our lives for a reason, you know, and so trusting that they love us, trusting that they love the kids, you know, that is back to assuming positive intent and their relationships are going to look different because they're different people, you know, and so of course, but I was right there with you, like I'm wanting to control and manage, you know, all of this, but then it's like, oh my gosh, he and I are so different and, and he brings this fun energy and this different energy than I bring. And so I didn't want to short circuit that. And I realized my control could do that and end up really, I think, negatively impacting that relationship, you know, and so it's just a really important thing to look at. And um, in our Not Back to School podcast, so this is going back to last probably September, um, we talked about revisiting our why. And I think it really applies in relationships too. You know, you have this person in your life for a reason and revisiting all the things you love about this person can really change the energy. And and even something I've talked about before is the joy writing, you know, taking those few moments to write down, what do you love about this person? What do you love about them being in your life? And again, this can be spouse, partner, co-parent, grandparent, whatever. What is it that you love about this person and love about them being in your life? And so, again, we're talking about using the same tools to strengthen our connections that we talk about with our children, with all these other important people in our life. And taking that time helps us see them, helps us feel connected and helps them feel that love from us. And and just like you said, I did want to say also about the pulling back, because it doesn't mean that, you know. But it does mean not trying to control, you know, and so that was the dance. (laughs) And so, you know, we want to listen. Sometimes we want to be a bridge when we're needed. We want to help people understand where they are, listen and validate. You know, all of those things give us important insights into the relationships and into the people around us. And that's important. But it is that it is that dance. It is that understanding. How do we, you know, involve but not control? And what I've seen is as our partners feel our trust in them, 
they just like with our kids, they will start to feel more capable. And as the kids sense that, then that helps too. You know, then everybody's kind of feeling more capable and that just helps everyone so much. And some of this kind of harkens back to when they were little, but you know, that could be things like, you know, so maybe you're nursing or you're, you know, the, the mom has this really intense role with a younger child and a spouse can feel left out of that. And how does that work? And how does that feel? So, but again, as we start trusting in them, as we start trusting in their capability, then everybody's buoyed by that. Everybody's brought up by that. And so I, I really think it's so important. I love the way you phrase that capability over control instead of control. When their cap- when their capability rises, then they don't feel they need to control, and then there's less of an agenda. Exactly, motivation behind their actions, which the kids pick up. Right? You can feel that energy, even if it's not out and out control. You can feel that if there's an agenda behind. So when they feel more capable in being in the moment with them, that agenda fades. And then the kids are more open to connection yet again, right? Because now they know it's just a free choice. There's no expectation or agenda behind it. I can say yes, I can say no. And then they're capable of figuring out their relationship together as to the things they like to do together. And they're seeing that person for a whole person, not just the role of someone that's controlling or has an agenda or is trying to direct them, but as this whole person that has things to share and gets excited about things just like they do. And that's a real, like when you get to that point, that's kind of where the magic is, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about how we can support our partner during this time as they're feeling more capable and moving away from control. And you you not even have that's I don't think you're really having that particular conversation with them. Right. That just happens like let's make you more capable. Right. <laughs> it's trusting in that. It's just it's it's yes. it's knowing that about them. Yeah. So uh for at least for me, I know it was about being really open to those validating and non-judgmental conversations with my partner, you know, so after they've had something and maybe they come back and say, oh, you know, I asked them to go for a bike ride and they didn't want to do this and they didn't want to do, they didn't want to go throw the ball around, you know, so you can validate that, their disappointment in that, and you can share suggestions. Again, the energy that you're sharing is just, is truly to help them, to help them what they want. They're looking to connect and engage more with their kids. So this is an example, but it's a pretty common one. <laughs> um, so, you know, we can, without expectation, share things like, well, you know what? Those are kind of things that you like to do. If you really want to connect with them, maybe you can try connecting with them over the things that they like to do for now. Right. Because that's part of their sensing. Your kids may well be sensing agenda like you want me to do this because this is something you want to do, not because you know me. So you're helping your partner see and hear your children. Right. And then you can be having those conversations with your with your kids, too, because often they they may come up and say, oh, you know, dad, dad asked me to do this or mom or whomever. Um, And they can feel, they'll feel that kind of defense. I didn't want to do that. And, you know, they try to convince me. So you can validate that for them. Oh, you know, that may be frustrating. And you can 
share, you know, oh, that's something they used to really love to do as a kid. So they were just excited to share that with you. You know, what what's something that you might like to do with them? And then you could go back and tell them, oh, I was talking to so-and-so. And they would really like to do this with you when you have a chance. If you want to, you know, bring that up, that might be an idea. So that's what I'm talking about, kind of um, supporting and helping them uh, connect and engage and deepen their relationship without actually telling them what to do or. Right. I mean, that, for me, that was just using my understanding of all the parties involved yes. to help them find things to connect over. And so it also meant giving them space to explore that together. You know, so that's that dance. So again, not hands off, but not controlling. And so it's a nuance, but it's important because yes, I do have, you know, an understanding of what the kids have been involved in that day. And I can know things that they've stumbled across that would be of interest to my partner. And so then I can just go, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe this little rabbit hole we went down. It's about this thing that you love. And then that gets the conversation started. And then I can step away so that they can enjoy this connection over whatever this thing is that we maybe already had spent some time on that day. So it's using that understanding of everybody to not control, but to just share and to just facilitate conversations. Because again, we have more time perhaps. And so we might be looking at a smaller amount of time that they have. And so it's efficiency because I'm kind of about efficiency a lot of times, you know, it's like that, that helps, but, but it's being aware of, am I trying to control? Do I have an agenda? Or am I really just, you know, kind of helping them communicate better? And and that I think is so important. And I think everybody senses it because we're we're just, we're having fun. We're sharing things that we enjoy and that makes all the difference. And trusting them in their capability and in their love, you know, people feel it when we trust them. And I think that goes a long way into supporting them. You know, so that's part of what our role is in supporting is just really trusting in that capability and just seeing them with those eyes, just like we talk about seeing our children with those eyes. Yeah. And I think when we're talking about trust, it's helpful to remember that it's a process. You can't just say like, okay, today I'm going to start trusting you and and you should know that I trust you. Like I can say, I trust you and, and we're all good. It's really a process and trust. Like Joseph and I were talking about last night, trust isn't something that you can demand or ask or say. Right. It is something that that you develop over time because actions speak louder than words when it comes to trust. Right. So I found it really useful to pay attention. Certainly that first little while that I may be saying things and I needed to make sure that my actions also said the same thing. Right. So maybe I can be, you know, talking to my partner and encouraging them to develop their their own relationship with with the their child right um but then when push comes to shove in a challenged moment maybe i jump in and try to direct things when they get a little tense just so that it gets resolved faster right so that's a, a moment when you say oh what i did there didn't support what i said earlier right so trust is going to take a knock in that situation so really just paying attention to my actions that they meant more than what I was saying, right? Like, so I'm having these conversations, we're having these conversations, but also when the rubber hits the road with my partner, I need to act in the way that I said, right? I need to mean what I said. 
and yeah. and they'll feel it. And we're yeah. all going to stumble across this. Like there's all going to be issues mm-hmm. and challenges. And we, especially when there's a heated issue and we want to jump in and, and, and figure out, but there's repairs that can be made. And so that intentionality, that understanding these principles and, and what, you know, we're talking about, once you kind of have that in the mix, you can, you'll recognize it just like you did, you know, just like you were saying, I maybe jumped in there. I didn't give anybody space for this. That was about me. That was not about you. You know, you can make a repair and then, and that can help so that the trust doesn't take such a huge ding, you know? And so, but that's us owning our stuff, you know, that's us owning when we make mistakes and when we maybe are trying to control. And, and what I've seen is when I've been able to admit that, you know, I'm doing something from like a, a position of trying to control that that helps the people around me relax a little bit. Like, okay, she's seen it. It's not just us, you know, <laughs> and then we can laugh about it and then we can have a more open conversation. And so it's, it's that transparency. It's that keeping, you know, open, curious mindset again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so important too, because like, to put that perfection on ourselves, really, we talk about that so much. It's not about being perfect in the moment. It's not about making right choices. Again, we make our best choices that we can in the moment, but recognizing and moving to that repair and sharing those aspects are is huge. It goes such a long way, right? Um, because it helps other people understand us better too. And it helps them see that it's okay to make mistakes. Well, that's what I was going to say. It provides kind of a template for yeah. we're all going to make mistakes. How can we make the repair? Because sometimes depending on, you know, families and where you've come from and how you dealt with conflict in the past, these can be very new skills. So as you're kind of learning it together and everyone's seeing, okay, well, everyone's making mistakes and here's how we can repair and here's how we can turn around from that and not weigh it down. And we've talked about this before, you know, the children often lead the way with that. But we as as adults can learn from that, share with each other, talk about our real feelings and experiences about it. And then that helps us move forward. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to chat about was ways that we can support our partner as they learn more about unschooling. So we've been focusing on the relationship. We've been focusing on connection, um, growing that into trust. Um, for me, yet enough, gee, I had a lot of mindset shifts here. <laughs> I came into this family very conventional. But stepping away from trying to convince my partner that unschooling was great, and then toward helping him learn more about unschooling, like, I mean, maybe that seems like semantics, but again, we're talking about the motivation and the energy behind it. It's like night and day when I'm not feeling defensive, not trying to convince him that this is great and awesome, but instead meeting him where he is and talking to him about what was um, maybe what was bothering him, what his questions were. So really, it was all about me asking myself questions at this point, right? So what was my partner interested in learning about at this moment? Is it, was it something particular about unschooling or is there a particular issue or question that they have right now related to something going on in our lives? Another important question was how do they like to learn, right? So as we talked about earlier, you know, in, in, with love languages, 
you know, how do they like to learn? If I like to learn through reading and I am sending uh, books and, and, and articles and blog posts and all these things to my partner who does not like to read about things, you're not only showing, saying, you know, I don't see you as you are, but you know, that stuff's just not going to be read. It's just, and it, each one is just being like, oh, oh, another thing I need to ignore, like not intentionally, but because it just doesn't speak their language, right? So that was so, so important. The other piece, if there isn't a particular question or something going on right now, I found it was still super useful to focus on sharing what's going on in our days, right? As we were talking about before, so that they can feel kind of connected and engaged and engaged with our life. They don't feel like an outsider. They, it's an easier maybe transition if they're working outside the home when they come in, or if they're working at home, easier transition when they come out of their office. Um, <clears throat> it was so helpful to... Um, so if, it might not be a specific unschooling question, but when they could see what was going on in our lives, they were implicitly learning about how unschooling works, right? We are showing them instead of telling them how it's happening, how it's unfolding in our lives, in our days, uh, the value of the relationships, of understanding each other to a deep level. We can show them how our kids are learning and growing and thriving and changing through just glimpse, sharing glimpses and stories from our days, right? Yeah. And, and I, I loved what you said. I mean, I think when there is an area of concern, really listening, hearing it, and and kind of whittling that down to what's the most important issue to yes. you right now. Let's talk about that. Let's see. Because, you know, sometimes we can get the long list and the litany of things and, and whatever, and that feels overwhelming. But it's like, okay, so tell me what's concerning you right now. What are you, what's the really pinched issue? And so that can be really helpful because, again, it's that conversation and they feel heard. Okay, this person's hearing me. They, they understand that I'm concerned and they want to talk about it. So that just feels really good. And I love what you said about how they take in information because you and I are the same and that we like to read the words, but that is not the case with David at all. <laughs> not a rock action guy. And so, you know, he's more hands-on and it was helpful for him to like see other families sometimes. And also really for just observe our kids, you know, for me to just kind of help create that environment, getting excited about the things that they were doing and sharing and some of the fun stuff that, you know, might've gotten brushed over during the day. You know, and what I found is that as kids get older, it's easier to see that growth and learning, you know, because you're having conversations and they're sharing their passions and you're listening to their amazing thoughts and ideas and perspectives on the world. And so that's the environment I wanted. And our family was just where we were together having conversations and talking about things and whatever, because that's what shows you this is amazing. You know, this is where you get that perspective of like, this is such an amazing life that we're even having these conversations that we even have the time to have the conversations, you know, so all of those pieces. But one thing I wanted to say here too is, and it, it, it speaks back to what you said in the beginning of this, of this question was about um, the need to convince. And so I think that's really common. Like we can, you know, we're so excited about this idea. <laughs> like This is so great. I've read all the things and it's amazing. And I want you to know, and I want you to understand it. But I think there are even times, and I was just talking to someone recently on the network, that 
sometimes you can even just set aside the word unschooling, like just set aside all of that need to convince about the theoretical aspects of it and dive back into that moment. Just live it. Because this particular person I was talking to had a younger child, so not even school age, but she was really excited about convincing her husband that this was, you know, the way. And it felt very big for him. Like, what? You know, I don't understand. You know, this is education is important and all of these pieces. And of course it is. But he's also super connected to their child. And so I'm like, let that unfold. You don't need to convince him about all the things like unschooling is in the living. It's in the, you know, the where the path takes us and all these different exploration pieces. And so I just don't get caught in that need to convince, just bring that world alive. You know, that, so I just wanted to throw that out because for some people that might be where they need to start and be at first, you know. Yeah. Oh, so many things I want to touch on there. <laughs> but okay, so first off, I I really love that piece. Again, it's kind of a theme. Actions speak louder than words. Yes. Right? So yes. this need to convince um, really can get in the way. We can live it and let them absorb it. Trust them to realize what's happening, right? And things will bubble up in conversation where you can share little snippets. And if you're super excited about unschooling and you want to talk all about it, find other people. You know, your partner does not need to be the one that that um, meets your need to chat about unschooling and all this stuff. Because they're in a different place, right? Um, so find other people that you can do that. So that's supporting yourself as well, right? And understanding that some one person doesn't need to meet all your needs. The other piece I just wanted to jump back to was that long list of things. And you mentioned, you know, what one's the most important to you right now? And I think that is such a valuable step because that helps you find the lens that they're thinking about the most right now, right? That's where learning is going to happen the most. That's why we follow our interests, right? That's the point. That's where we are most open to learning is whatever's top of mind for us, right? So you're finding that lens through which things are going to make the most sense and the most connections for the person because that's where they're thinking right now. And so often when you can dive into the foundations, because we talk about finding the underlying needs underneath it, those underlying needs are foundational so often. And what I found happened was that when you went through the whole process through one lens and hit the underlying need and they understood what was going on there, so many of the other things on the list just kind of disappeared because all of a sudden, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's that, that's that, that's that. There were so many other connections that were made by finding the one lens that was really important to them in the moment. So I just wanted to bring that up because that is so helpful. So important. And, and again, like you said, it, it's when we can dig into that underlying need, see the lens where they're coming from, then, then they're feeling heard and seen. And all the things we've talked about in this episode today, when all those things kind of come together, those, all the niggling things and the whatever, those things fall away. And so you've addressed those foundational issues and you're staying connected. And that just makes all the difference. So at that surface level of they aren't liking unschooling, I love unschooling, you know, what's happening just really falls away when we start to see the person in front of us and start to and keep our connection strong. Yeah. 
Beautiful. It said it perfectly. That is really the the foundation of the relationship, the connection and the trust. And like you said, it's night and day when, when things bubble up and how you can approach them while still feeling seen and heard. And what happens is when they're feeling feeling seen and heard, when they're feeling loved, when they're feeling connected and engaged at their speed, the way they want to, oh my gosh, the energy they bring in just exponentially grows within the family as well, right? So it's 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 an amazing thing to watch in action. And like you were saying earlier, these aren't new skills. It's bringing a new person into our fold. Because so often in our excitement, we're focusing and we're learning and we're figuring this out with our kids, which makes total sense. So again, no judgment on finding yourself in this situation because I think a lot of us do. But to realize, oh, you know what? I can bring another person, whether it's the spouse, partner, grandparent, whoever's, you know, in, in your lives. It's, it's just a beautiful thing because growing our relationships, it helps everybody. Thank you so much, Anna. It was so fun to chat with you about this topic. Have a wonderful day, everybody. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website livingjoyfully.ca